Outside Westminster, chapter 174, Born to Get One's Way. I can't cope, screamed Sassy Sparkle, wife of Prince Rupert. I'm going to hyperventilate. Oh God, oh God, what what to do, what to do, fussed Teddy over his wife. It was, remin- it was so reminiscent of scenes he'd had with his mother that he felt he was having flashbacks. What had he done then, all of age eight, to calm her shattered nerves? He couldn't quite remember. Hadn't he made her a cup of tea? That had seemed to soothe her tribulations. But no, Sassy didn't drink tea, and his coffee-making skills were ludicrous, she'd said. What to do, what to do, poor Prince Rupert kept saying. Get Edward Arthur out of the way for a start. He'd learnt that Sassy could really lose it when so overwrought, just like his mother, who'd managed to push, push her own stepmother down a flight of 30 steps at one high point in her drama-filled life. No, no massive flights of stairs to worry about, he'd thought reassuringly, but there was a pool which stuff could be, and indeed had been, hurled into. After his military training, Teddy had been able to control his own temper, which, he'd be the first to admit, had had a tendency to spin out of control. How to help my wife, he kept thinking. The way we're going, we're going to end up with no friends this side of the Atlantic, let alone the other side, where even his own close family had become uncommunicative and angry. He'd been forced to drop countless friends, for what reason he'd never quite worked out. But she was boss, and he had to do her bidding. This time... The storm was over Sass's BFF, Jennifer Cluedo, daughter-in-law to the Canadian Prime Minister. How had she been able to betray me so easily? Sass kept screaming. Is she clueless? Has she no idea how times have moved on? Doesn't she realise that she can't stalk and threaten people like Dominica behind my back? Teddy's head span and all he could do was sit and stare into space, hoping hoping that the storm would blow itself out and that no one had a telephoto lens trained on them or, indeed, some super-sensitive microphone. He couldn't bear the thought of a repeat performance of Annabel Gate or Squidgy Tapes, which had humiliated both his parents. He did wonder whether the security services had installed listening devices into this mansion before he and Sass had moved in. The couple had been so careful and secretive about their move from Canada, but he did wonder about the honesty and bias of some of his security team. So he immediately jettisoned that idea, as he simply couldn't bear the thought of some stranger listening into his very private discomfiture. Some people, he decided, were born to get their own way. Wasn't he the royal, the sought-after, connected one in this partnership? How had the tables turned so comprehensively and so quickly? He just couldn't work it out. And then, as if there wasn't enough emotion flying about the place, he read on his newsfeed that 350 elephants had died in mysterious circumstances in Mozambique. He immediately felt a wave of nausea sweep over him, firstly at the magnitude of this loss, then fearful of Sass's reaction, which was guaranteed to be over the top. That's how weekend ruined he'd whispered to Edward Arthur, who was cradled in his arms. In another place of opulence and plenty, someone born to get his own way was doing just that. Benedict Morgan had, indeed, started to get what he wanted in his campaign to restructure the whole of Whitehall. 
Well, that was putting it politely. Ben had wanted to take a wrecking ball to this establishment and was well on the way when Covid struck. He temporarily had to suspend what he called the hard rain, a.k.a. the nuclear fallout of his masterpiece system to replace the creaking, antiquated monolith of an organisation run by so-called mandarins. What makes them so special? he'd asked Gwendolyn a few weeks back. Well, most of them had given their lives to the service of the UK, she explained. You know, Papa was once called a mandarin. What did he deserve to do? What did he do to deserve that? laughed Ben, who hadn't realised that his father in law's role in the British government had earned him such a title. Well, he's so modest, but he was, at one time, permanent undersecretary for the Home Office, Gwendolyn explained. Suitably put in his place, though, not chastened, Ben continued, well, it's been decided, but unfortunately the head honcho in the civil service is going. Who is it and where's he going, my love? probed Gwendolyn with faux innocence. Christ knows, ejaculated Ben, forgetting that he'd promised himself that he'd never raise his voice to what had turned out to be the best thing in his life. Glorious Gwendolyn. Sorry, Ben said with actual sincerity. I've been at it. I've been got at from all sides for so long now that I can't help but come out fighting. It's become instinctive. Understood, said the ever calm Gwendolyn. Look, it's Sir Rupert Lester. He's in line for some top job in NATO, which will mean he's still involved at a high level with the UK government, but he's just not fully committed to our vision of things, and he still has Remainer sympathies, Ben explained. Oh well, c'est la vie, added Gwendolyn, continuing with more than a little irony in her voice. And who's the lucky replacement?